With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. My brother-in-law is really good at finding stuff at garage sales and mm-hmm. Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And he is just the master at finding real estate deals. And he'll yes. stay up late at night you know, after the family's gone to bed. And he'll search the internet. And he'll come up with these great ideas. And so okay. he's always right. sending me ideas for cars Uh-oh. or what he should buy. And, okay. and he had a 1950 Mercury when right. he was dating my sister. So this was back in college. And the car's name was Nina. All right. And I got to ride in it, and I think he's missed Nina for a long time and you okay. know, had a family and job and life sure. and all that stuff. So he's constantly searching for cars. And he sent me a photo two days ago, and he and my sister bought a 1988 Saab 900 Turbo convertible. You're kidding. With 202,000 miles for $1,500. What? <laughs> Why? To teach the kids manual. Oh, no, that's cool. So... My sister has wanted a sob. She's into sobs. She's loved the look that for is years. So funny. She's always loved sobs. And I thought, she's finally got a sob. So, yes, I know you guys are listening. I'm so thrilled. Okay. But uh, 202,000 miles. But at that mileage and it runs, probably all the major stuff has been done. So, <laughs> if it turns once. into a $1,500 <laughs> fire pit or a planter in the yard. Then okay, you know they it's, repurpose it's a, stuff. I could see that becoming the fifteen hundred dollar planter or you know, whatever it's later. The yeah, fifteen hundred dollar teach you to drive manual device. That's good. That's I do, I do like that's that. What he called that's it. excellent use. That's so, excellent use there for sure. Couldn't believe it. They've got this Saab turbo convertible with manual. But on the other hand, my niece and nephew get to learn how to drive manual on something that's not the least bit precious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except for the fact that mom now is in love with the Saab. She's but in yeah. love with the Saab. That's really and funny. So it's a cabriolet and both my niece and nephew play cello as you know yes. so i told my brother-in-law to stick the cellos out the top like please, surfboards please do like yes. take the photo of Completely. that yeah. you know and they'll transport them around whatever so yeah the <clears throat> manual <laughs> teaching device I thought it's, it was so funny. They're going to have their own sob stories. I love it. I that's, guess they will. There you go. That's, that's hysterical. Awful. We are we are back. Hey, we're back in studio. Thank you guys yeah. for listening to the last podcast, which is a really cool roundtable we had from our pilgrimage trip. And you and I are still in withdrawals because that trip was so uh, very cool. I told everybody that you're going to be thinking about your line at spa when you get on the airplane and you go home. You're going to be thinking about Eau Rouge and Radion and you know, Double well, Gauche and you're now, going to be thinking about the corners. Now we're sending the people that traveled with us their in-car video clips. Mm. So now I know what's right, going to happen right. for the next couple of weeks. People are going to be scouring their in-car video clips. <laughs> or if you're Ted Pitts, who goes with us every year, studying them so he can be even faster and yeah. destroy all of us even more that next year. Awesome. Yeah, he's awesome for sure. He he became our unofficial ring taxi. If you listen to the podcast, you should actually go back and, and listen to him talk about that because he became our unofficial ring taxi. And we need and we owe Ted a shirt. Yeah, we told we him we got to design a him a shirt. He's, he's yeah. the everyday driver, ring taxi driver, because he yes. was taking everybody at the Nurburgring. People would come back, you know, white knuckled, wide eyed. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know cars and tires could do that kind of responses, <laughs> which was great. They were driving the ring in their hatchbacks. And we actually <laughs> had a awesome. Hyundai i30N on the ring, which was surprisingly fun. Actually, that's not fair. We knew it would be fun. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. the the funny thing about when we were at the ring this time is it rained in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you were mm-hmm. used. I've never used understeer to my advantage as I did that morning yeah good that, true. that was the, the instructor true. would have you turn in and put your foot in it so that you could actually manage your understeer to get your line out of it was a very
very interesting way to drive. But thoroughly enjoyed that I-30N and then saw a ton of them in downtown Frankfurt. They were all over the place. Yeah, it was like were. the current enthusiast car of the moment. Super and then I cool. have to tell you all the bad news. Mm. Um, we, we went over there this year very excited about the Ring and Spa, of course, but it was going to be Hyundai i30N on the Ring because we don't get that in the States, and it was going yeah. to be the Alpine A110 on Spa. Yeah. And two days before we left, we heard from our friends at RSR, who are amazing and provide cars, yeah, and they, they were great. great. All, they were great. even better than I remembered, and they've always been awesome. They let us know <clears throat> the Alpine is broken, so broken we've sent it uh, not to our techs, back to the dealer, and the dealer still doesn't know what's wrong. On the very bright side, we had a Porsche 718 Cayman GTS on Spa, which turned out to be absolutely brilliant. That was Pirelli the bright side. Rose. It was the bright side, but unbelievable. But that there was, was excellent. But there was no Alpine A1. However, I, I wanted to drive that car as yeah. well, and that was that was yeah. scheduled for Spa. We had the, the Hyundai on the Ring, and that was scheduled for Spa. Awesome. Yeah, we actually saw a lot of Alpines around. There were mm-hmm. a bunch of A110s at the Ring yep. that yep. we saw them all over. You know, like like you said. Germany, Frankfurt, they were they're around. Mm-hmm. The one they had though was just broken. It decided it didn't want to be driven by us, so it was in, it Gosh. was in the shop. And that blue one that you took photos of that you posted that was actually at the spa track day, which kind of was like salt in the wound. Was he on track? At I some saw point? him at least twice. Did you? Because yes. I just saw yes, him parked yes. in the paddock there. Yeah, yeah the, I saw him at least in twice. The garages and it just just even the back uh, end of that car just yeah. looked like anything else. And it was fun to to come. Now, granted, the Cayman GTS, granted, their driver things involved here too. I think the Cayman was faster, but that Alpine was out there. And when I saw it, the, I remember one time when I saw it, it was moving. Mm-hmm. So I would have loved to have driven that car. But anyway, so that still eludes me, unfortunately. Some of you actually asked me specifically about yeah. driving it. And well, you've it been talking about it as your Cayman whale. kind yeah. of response. I've got to get in that thing. Yeah. I want to know as well. I want to know what and they've it, done with the dynamics. They're, they're not big. That's the other thing that's interesting. They're not big. No. But we had that great no. trip. We also actually, the night after, shout out to Akim and Matisse. Yeah, because the night yeah. after everybody left from the trip, we actually uh, we had our meet up at the meet room in Frankfurt. It we went to downtown Frankfurt sure. and hung out for the day, which was very cool. And then we met those guys uh, at at that meet room, and we had actually a really fun evening with them, just kind of hanging out, having a good meal, and talking about all things cars. I know you're shocked listening to this podcast. We talked about cars on this podcast. We're going to almost sound like we're back from our trip. Almost. Almost. We're going to do a cool topic Tuesday on uh, does a good car make you better and a bad car make you worse, which I like that. We've also got a cool uh, car debate coming up for Joel riding in from Minnesota, and he's replacing his dad's like former – this is the nostalgia car that now you don't drive. I think I've got the car. Do you? I've got the sniper I've got a shot few. for this I've got one. a few. I, I don't have a sniper shot. I'm looking forward to that. We've got great questions, guys. It's the it's the social media questions. You've asked us a lot about That's the pilgrimage ones. trips, so we will yeah. table that for now. We'll come back and answer more of those questions uh, towards the end of the podcast. But, yeah, we've got to get to this topic Tuesday. Real quick before we do, the GoFundMe is still going for the challenge, the big sedan challenge. Is, so yes. if you're able to, to contribute to that, love to uh, to see that happen. We're We're – about three weeks away well, from it being over. We're trying to make that happen. We'll yeah. see what uh, what happens, but we'll keep you posted on that. So go to everydaydriver.com to look at the GoFundMe link mm-hmm. as to what mm-hmm. we're doing with those and ultimately give those away once we're done with all the content, hopefully. Yep. The intention is TV content, YouTube content. Those You'd see those cars a lot from the buying process all the way through the broken <laughs> process all the way through the TV process. Bought to broken. Yes, buying there you go. So we're, we're planning like that. to do a, a Phaeton and then the car for Paul might be TBD because we're trying to find the right 
there, there's been some discussion that everybody really likes the Phaeton for me, but the mm-hmm, the Jag mm-hmm. isn't necessarily resonating with everybody. But okay, we're open. We yeah, just want another uh, big sedan. It just sedan. came up because of that year yeah. and that you know they're both ninety grand and you know that but, kind of thing. But uh, we we don't but, we uh, aren't we'll we see. honestly we aren't there money wise yet. Yeah, yeah. We are going to have it up for about another three four weeks. It, it's essentially it's coming down by end of October, right around the time we go to our Atlanta meetup. By the way, Atlanta meetup, plug plug. By the time we go to that, <laughs> this coming. this GoFundMe will end, and and man, the shooting that happens in the next few weeks. For, for season six. I can't believe season six is coming, but we're already a couple things in the can and more coming. Yeah, lots lots for sure. All right, jumping into the topic Tuesday, as Todd said, can a good car make you better mm-hmm. or does a bad car make you a worse driver? Mm-hmm. And I come back to my own Cayman. It's actually going into the body shop tomorrow. You remember it got dinged yeah, yeah. by a driver in a large Suburban. Well, that Suburban was a corporate-owned Suburban by the neighborhood. So it was the golf community mm-hmm. of this you know, neighborhood, you know, a lot of large, expensive homes. And so I was actually there on you know, the, the annual Park City home tour, you know, just kind of looking at homes and that kind of thing, as everybody does. And the car was parked on the side of the street when this person know. showing clients around had taken out the corporate Suburban. Oh. And tried to do the three-point turn in the middle of the street and got my car with the bumper, claiming that they did not see the car, probably in the rearview mirror. Maybe they weren't even looking. But that begged the question, you know, I thought, okay, that wasn't your car. True. You're unfamiliar driving it. I recently saw another person in a Prius or whatever it was driving erratically and stupidly, and I thought, oh, no. <laughs> and you know, just the, the lack of paying attention. It's like when you're at the stoplight mm-hmm. and you think the light's going to turn green and it doesn't. And the left turn lane on the other side goes, mm-hmm. and whatever distraction the person was doing, they get engrossed in that again. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly the light turns green and they've already and given up on that yes, light. Yes. And now it's green. And you're going, okay. You should have paid attention. Hi. I, I don't want to honk. Me an hour ago. Did you really? Yes, where that person you know what I'm talking thought about that then. the turn, uh, they'll, oh, wait, that one's not for me, and then they zoned right back into their phone, and then our light really exactly. did go, and waited through half of it for them to look up. Yes. And you want to just, you know, break the horn button off. I, I do want to, and I'm trying, yeah, I mean, struggling. In cities, I can, you know, that happens. In Park City, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, it's the small town kind of feel. I was like, is everybody really in that big of a hurry to, yeah, it's do a small I, do town. I need to do I my need horn? To, it's no, a gorgeous fall day. I'll 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 grind my teeth back I here. Always but why do aren't that. you paying attention? Yeah. But I saw this person driving a Prius, and it was just terrible driving. Mm. I'm going, I can't stand that car. It's not a good car. It's great for one thing. And that's gas mileage and commuting. And it's great at that. That's what it's great. But at. as a car, as a dynamic, fun automobile, it's terrible. And True. I thought, not its point. Are yes. those drivers so not having any fun that it makes you a a worse driver? You and I, when we first drove that E92 somebody M3, is Somebody is composing an email right oh, now. Oh, I'm sure. So you know. Keep going. I, yeah. I realize it's controversial, but I'm, I'm wanting to bring the conversation out. I, because I Keep going. You and I drove that E92 M3 yeah. when it first yeah, came yeah. out. This mm-hmm. is eek, 10, 10 It's been, years been a while, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just thought, that car made me better. Mm-hmm. The power mm-hmm. that, of course, we're paying attention more. We're... You know, we're suddenly, A, it's a press car. It's not ours. True. B, it has a lot of power. It makes all Mm -hmm. the right noises. We're going faster. We're braking (laughs) harder. But it brought out, I think, in both of us this demeanor of, wow, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm crisper. I'm I'm more on it. Mm. 
you and I obviously were just on pilgrimage trip and yes. we've been discussing how we're both smoother and we're, you know, thinking about the transition. Ted really got me working on the transition off the brake. The brake release is yeah. what he had yeah, me yeah. focus on. Yeah. And it's changed my driving already. That's cool. Because I've been That's thinking cool. about yeah, yeah. the transition. And he told me, I don't want you to ever notice my transition from the brake to the throttle to the brake to the throttle. Yeah. When you should I have off the brake done a lap not noticing if I ever did that. Yeah. And I, I thought back, yeah, I didn't notice the transition. Some people yeah. are very jerky and it upsets the car. Yeah, on the brake is a different thing because that's obviously got to be aggressive. But we're talking about you're finished braking and you've worked your way to the gas. There is a way to do that that is so smooth you can't tell. Yeah. But it's got to be a good car to make you want to do that. Mm. If it's a terrible car, like all the rental cars we've ever had, <laughs> the rental cars we know is the fastest car you will ever drive. Yes. Nobody cares about the rental car because they're owned by faceless corporations. The people behind the counter don't care. Yeah. It's just yeah. a thing. You know, if it's bigger than a quarter, you know, fine. Just don't <laughs> just be cool. Only the only Bring the scratches back. that are bigger than a dollar bill. Dollar you know, bill's not small, by the yeah. way. Yeah. We don't care, whatever. It's just yeah. a you know, device at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. It's not fun or engaging. So you might not be Maybe you're paying attention as much, but I've had plenty of times when I'm I'm romping on the throttle of rental cars, and I'm probably yeah, not yeah, yeah. driving like I would my own car, like a friend's car. Certainly not. Yeah, you know, I'm really not. paying attention. A lot of the cars that we drive for the show are friends of the show or yeah, privately yeah, owned yeah, cars, right, and we're right, very yeah. recognizant, treating yeah. them like our own. And being GT2RS, 959, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, Not treated like rental cars. Yeah. Exactly. You know, the biggest thing you have control over is your own driving skills. Yes. But I do maintain that there is a car level that you get into and you start driving mm. That brings more out of you, more of a cognizant driving demeanor and a less distracted driver. Hmm. Because if it's a bad car and you're bored with it, it doesn't have power and it's unexciting, I think you'll lose interest in driving more quickly than if you had a Hmm. faster, more powerful in any category, Mm -hmm. whether it's handling. Wow, I've never experienced a handling feel like this. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if there's power or not. Maybe it's a BRZ or Toyota 86. Sure, sure, sure. Or it's suddenly got a lot of braking power. Mm-hmm, Man, alive. This is amazing. Or just a lot of power in general. I think that car makes you pay attention. Mm-hmm. It pulls mm-hmm. it out of you. So I'm I'm coming to you with this you know, myriad of cars that we just drove on pilgrimage, the myriad okay. of cars that we drove. Okay. We got a lot of Autobahn time, high-speed Autobahn yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. We did bang off the speed limiter of the Mercedes CLA 250 shooting brake. Yes, Maxed out at what two forty three, two forty four, two forty four, which one hundred and fifty one miles an hour. It was Ooh. done. It was officially done there. It yeah. won't go yeah. any faster. You cannot push yeah. the pedal any harder because yeah. it won't go faster. Yeah, the car. That's a based, satisfying feeling. Based on the gearing you. and what the engines is doing, there's more there, but the car is fully stopped at that point. It was very interesting. Yeah, but at that point, everybody in the car is paying attention. At yes, one fifty one. Yes, everybody's like. Chit chat. The chit chat gets real light. Yeah. And ha-ha, everybody's and everybody's every, looking at the windshield. The, 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 rear, the rear seat like, passengers are leaning moly. around and looking, and yeah, that all that happens. But so you're driving, a, not abilities, but your your level of awareness just goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. And it, same with a good car. So I ask that you and I and the audience: Is there value in trading to a newer car to improve your driving? Will it mm. better? It, it's not necessarily more expensive, but a dynamically better car improve you as a driver in conjunction with you improving your own driving skills, like okay. eyes up the track. I can actually tell you where drivers' eyes are now based on what they're doing. 
because I'm seeing them in the left hand, you know, left lane's closing down. I'm like, eyes up the track, eyes up the track. I'm like, oh, now you saw the truck. <laughs> you suddenly or, realize. Or the cones that are blocking, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the lanes are merging and you, yeah. you haven't seen it yet, which means your eyes are 20 feet in front of the car. Mm-hmm. They are not up the highway. Mm-hmm. I can tell you where your eyes are at. That's funny. So get your eyes higher. Get them up the track. Get them up the highway. Get them up the road. Yeah, yeah. So all these things. So does, you know, again, does trading to this newer car, it, will that improve your driving? Is that an incentive to improve your driving, or is it getting a new car, like we talk about on the podcast, yeah. merely for the experience of something new and different? I'm going to give one counterpoint real quick, because somebody is thinking this counterpoint. Somebody might be already angrily typing an email to this counterpoint, and I want to say this real quickly. You're a car enthusiast while you're listening to this show. You are car irrelevant. My point is, whatever car you have, it's not the best way to put that, but your car does not make you an enthusiast. If you have a non-enthusiast car, you can be a car enthusiast. You can also drive a non-enthusiast car like a good driver, like a car enthusiast. You can do surprising things in that car that nobody can believe that car is doing this thing right now. Because of your driving Because you're focused. So so please, please don't take away from this that our discussion is if you don't have a certain level of car, you aren't driving seriously or you aren't a car enthusiast. Because I know that's not what you mean. And I want to be careful that we don't get into that that world because it's not the point here. It has not been my intention to to equate those two. But an interesting question you're asking, and I've had that experience recently when I drove that big Sequoia with my family. Now, it was a family vacation. Oh, sure. It was a Toyota Sequoia. But I noticed how much... Driving time, a tree. Exactly. An enormous <laughs> thing. But, and a lot of it was road trip driving. Mm-hmm. And I noticed how much time I spent with one hand kind of casually on the wheel. Really? I don't drive that way ever. I was going to say, we're two-handed everywhere. I never drive that way. Yeah. I, my wife's Cayenne, the Lancer, the Lotus, press cars. I never drive that way. No kidding. And I noticed how often I found myself driving that way. And it was partially kind of the way I fit in the car. Okay. And it was also the kind of driving and the fact that after a while, I just kind of became somewhat numb and relaxed to it all. Huh. Back to your point. If you were driving something that its primary purpose is to make you comfortable, I think your level of on it and awareness starts to fade away a bit. I agree to that. The extreme version of this is uh, the level three autonomous cars we're at right now, where they <laughs> yeah. throw up their hands yeah. when something serious happens, and you really haven't been paying much attention. You know, right. the, the right. car, by the way, newsflash. It scares me. But 2019 yes. right now, cars are not autonomous. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> they, they won't be fully autonomous in 2020 either. I'm putting my stake <laughs> in the ground. They, they need our yeah. help. Okay, and they yeah. need our help when things really go like, I don't know what that is. And it, the computer just goes, you be, you're, you're going to have to take it. Mm-hmm. So, the, But there is a thing that happens when the driving gets simpler, the car gets more comfortable, and the car starts doing more for you. Or, let's put it another way, the car starts separating you from the driving experience. That can be directly with a semi-autonomous system. Sure, or that can be sure. indirectly because the car doesn't have dynamic information or is trying to comfort and cost at you and get you away from the alertness of driving because, by the way, something's happening here. I think either of those things, it starts to lull us because there's not mm-hmm. enough interaction. There's not enough, I hate to put it this way, stimulation to keep us interested. Let me give you some examples. It's the hot hatches. That first Mitsubishi Evo that you and I drove, the GSR, the buzzy one from 2007, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. That pulled something out of me that made me pay attention. It made me, it demanded more of me. 
the it, it was an easy car to drive. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it certainly demanded more of my mm-hmm. skill and my attention. The WRX STI, the Hyundai Veloster N, the Focus RS, all these hot hatches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're angry and they're demanding of you. There's other cars that have been angry and demanding of us. They're you know usually fairly high powered and you know. They can be easy to drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there's a difference between easy to drive and demanding of you. The um, M3s, F80 M3s, and yeah, the yeah, yeah. Julia Quadrifoglio, mm-hmm. both easy to drive cars. Yes. Oh, they're fast. Yeah. And they pull something out of you. Mm. I'm almost wondering, does it pull more of those driving skills that you've learned or you're, you know, you're thinking, all right, I need to be better at corner entry on that. Hmm. Darn it. I don't know quite as much. I haven't had much track track experience. Or maybe you have had track experience and you think, that's right. I'm coming in a lot hotter and I can brake sooner and I'm on good tires and it's Hmm. hot out. Yeah. This is really fun. Or a canyon road or whatever that is. It doesn't always have to be track and that's not what I'm equating to. And again, thank you for separating those two. I'm not in any way saying if you don't have an enthusiast car, you're not enthusiast because of that example. I've told this before mm-hmm. in the podcast mm-hmm. and it was a, a, through the grapevine example, but it was a pro driver at Willow Springs in his wife's five series wagon who was doing hotter <laughs> laps in that than yeah. a lot of the guys in yeah. their race cars. And he said, yeah. it's about smoothness and my comfort with speed and the fact that I'm a professional. I can get this kind of speed out of any car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yes, he, it was the yes. car he drove to the track in to yes. go participate in this track day. And it was this, you know, 90s, completely stock, 5 Series wagon. And he was booking around the track, <laughs> yeah. crushing everybody else. Like, okay, well, you know what you're doing. So obviously the driving skill had to be there. And you sure, could extract sure, yeah. that out of a car more than, you know, BMW ever thought they could. Yeah. But again, with cars that are interesting and hot, that Veloster N has a lot of power. It's under thirty grand, and it just demands something of you. Yeah, it's almost like sure. it's saying, "All right, step it up. Let's yeah. let's bring your your A game. You shouldn't that. be in you know C game, your commute game over here. <laughs> Come on, bring yeah. it. I, I'm an enthusiast car, and I want something out of you. So drive better. Stop okay. paying attention to your phone. Interesting. Phone doesn't help you steer. It doesn't this help you true. operate the car. I'm going to keep this, saying that. This is true. It's crazy. I keep seeing it. Out. I think that the phone is not helping you shift or steer. It's weird. Put it down. It's really weird. Yeah. So I, I'm. I've been wondering this with seeing all these examples, and I'm just. I'm thinking there is something about great cars that pull more out of us that might lie dormant. Those driving skills that we mm-hmm. learned, and they're just dormant because we're in street driving mode. Yeah. We're like, nah. I'm just driving around. I'm zoned just, out. Yeah. You know, milk needs to happen, so I'm going to get milk. That's all I'm thinking about is milk for my coffee. Whatever. Well, but you bring that up because you, there is those two ways to drive to do that errand. You do have the people who are like, all right, I'll go get milk. I've got to get in the car. It's three in milk. the morning. And, and then there's the, whatever. I love my car. And, what, do, you, do you need milk? You need milk? I'm going to go get milk. It's the same errand. Yeah, exactly. The driving is completely different because one person is excited about being in the car and operating it. And Look, I'll go another level. Every 16-year-old on the planet that – let me rephrase. Current 16-year-olds that are interested in getting their license, they're mm-hmm. like excited about it. I realize there is a segment of that high schooler that isn't interested. Yeah. But the 16-year-olds that really want to get their license, they don't care what the car is. That's true. That's very they true. They are excited and paying attention. Okay? <laughs> right. They don't care that it's mom's green Camry with a door that's rusting to pieces because I get to drive to go do whatever. Yeah. Okay? Sure. And so that it's that pleasure and privilege of driving 
And I think that that's what starts to happen. I think if you've been driving a long time, but you've never been connected or feel like the car you're in is special, it gets even easier to zone out. But the minute yeah. you get a car that is special to you, even if, if it's only for a season, you start to get into, I just really like to drive this. I'm paying attention. It's cool. It's fun. It's interesting. It's when it all becomes mundane. And this happens with all kinds of things, not just driving. Mm-hmm. It all becomes sure. mundane that you quit you quit paying attention and quit making it a thing anymore. It's the difference when you took your first airplane ride ever, and now you're halfway over the Atlantic. Just did this, by the way. Halfway over the Atlantic going, i got to watch another movie because this flight's just continuing. <laughs> My third you know? movie. Yeah. What else am I interested I, in? I have yeah. never watched, and I like movies. I have never watched that many movies in a calendar day. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Believe me, I desperately want to tie good cars. If everybody were in a great car and it pulled more excitement in driving and we put all of our distractions away... It would make us better drivers. I desperately want to make that statement. Sure. I cannot. No, because there's... I cannot. There's the people that have a ton of money and they go buy some amazing car and they wrap it around a tree because yeah, they aren't drivers. That. That's, that's, the, that's the other well, side of the is, Yeah, that's true. You have the that's people true. that they bought a car that is genuinely good, like the guy that... that, that one of the first crashes of a McLaren P1 in mm. Dallas. Yeah. You were on an overpass. It was cold. Those tires aren't going to hang on, Okay. <laughs> That, and, and here's the other part of it. That driver, and I don't know anything about that driver, but that driver may have been a perfectly good driver, but 40 degrees in Dallas on an overpass, those tires aren't going to stick. Exactly, exactly. Okay? So just because you buy the good car doesn't suddenly make you a good driver either. No, it does not. And I, I cannot claim that either. I just think there's something about, and I think that reflects what you and I talk about in every review of every car we do. There's what is it about this car, that little tiny identifiable thing about this car that either pulls it out of us mm-hmm. or isn't there at all. Yeah. That's, I think, what the crux of our reviews are and our, we- our thinking when it, when I'm in this car. Okay, it's $25,000 Civic Si. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's fine for commuting. But you know what? After 4,000 RPM and thrown into the corner at a little bit higher speed than you thought and the back yeah. end comes around and you, wow, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The, Turning the car with rotation of speed and it's engaging and it talks yeah, to you and it, that, make, it makes you pay attention. Is which there is something cool. in there? It, yeah. Price aside, no, price is irrelevant. But I, I want people to be better drivers. I continue to want that, and mm-hmm. I see so many examples. We all see some, yeah. so many examples of just just idiocy, and it just it's frustrating. And I laziness. Think yeah. If you were in a better, more interesting car, coming back to this person in the suburban. Mm-hmm. You didn't care. It was probably too big for you. You probably never been in a suburban four, and possibly you made the decision to make a three point turn in the middle of a crowded street with cars on both sides. Yeah, that was a bad decision to start with. Yeah, but then you know you didn't make it happen, and but in that situation, that was that. We also have the distraction element because you know they were in that car with people they were talking to, and the, and the yeah. focus of that moment was not driving the car; it was talking to the clients. It was the clients about the real estate course, and the deal and what's available. In the all, same so. way of I must answer this text versus I must pay attention oh. to the stoplight. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. It's when driving becomes the third or fourth thing on the list of things while you're currently operating a car <laughs> that stuff starts to go wrong. Mm-hmm. It can go wrong other other times, but I'm just saying when you, when you start to make the really boneheaded stuff is when driving. Driving is third or fourth on the list. And unfortunately, when you commute, especially if you do the same route every day, I, I've talked about this before, the times I would commute in LA, yeah, and I would right, suddenly realize, right. oh, I'm here already? I didn't yeah, I don't remember I've doing done. the last three miles. <laughs> and it wasn't because you were on the phone either. No, it was just zonage. I just, I've done this so much, and now I, re- <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize I was this far in. This light is a lot of traffic. There. Wait, I don't remember doing the last. <laughs> what airport of is this? <laughs> 
just landed. I'm that's all bad. Thirsty. But it's just that it's that mundane <laughs> yeah. repetition, same thing, and there you are. So clearly, racing games help. Everybody should play racing games because <laughs> really, this then is, you'll learn this the line. Where Following the ghost car is hmm. racing games help our driving. So everybody should play. I can't make that claim. I, I I don't think you could land that plane. Oh, no, I don't think I that works. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to come to a definitive conclusion. There is no definitive here. <laughs> we, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you halfway like driving. You may be listening to this podcast while you're driving, but the whole the reality is you're you're driving a big hunk of metal. Mm-hmm. Let's pay some level of attention. Agreed. And hopefully we'll get hopefully with with our help we'll get past that into a big hunk of metal you actually like. Uh, crazy, but I'm staying there. <laughs> We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader and Car Gurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with Auto Tempest. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at Auto Tempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. Every year there's those big auctions that happen all over the place. And let's be uh, honest, yes. we talk about the fact that the cars that are spiking are the nostalgia cars. The cars I, I couldn't afford when I was in high school or college, or I had one before the kids and all that kind of stuff, and I want one again. Like my brother-in-law's Nina. Exactly. The Mercury. This, you're very right. This is the impetus for this discussion with Joel. Joel's dad had a Corvair early on in his time with Joel's mom, and he got rid of it. Hmm. And Joel and his mom, and is it a brother as well? Yeah, his brother too. Brother, Joel, brother and mom saved and found and bought dad a new 66 Corvair convertible for his 70th birthday. We've gone back to the world of nostalgia. What I find fascinating about this is then reality hits Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because this is a car. They've all had this great warm feeling of we found it for dad and dad loves it and it's memory and all that kind of stuff. However... It's ultimately an old car. It's <laughs> not, not a car. It's an old Corvair. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. It's not modern. Okay, we're talking. We're talking drum brakes. Uh, you know, two speed automatic. He's worried about getting stranded somewhere. He's worried mm-hmm. about taking it in traffic. It, it, the the age of it, the the lack of modernity in normal traffic, is starting to make him think. I don't want to drive this that much. So now it's how do we get 
the feeling that we thought this Corvair would bring in something more modern. Mm. Yeah, he's asking us, how can we do this? He's, his dad, as Todd said, is worried about something failing or stranding he and his mom somewhere. So they as a family want him to have something that they can enjoy and drive more often than a couple times a year. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. it's not starting because it's sitting. And you're afraid it's true. If you're afraid it won't start and you leave it sitting because it you're afraid it won't start, then it's not going to start. <laughs> it's weird. It's I, like it's a cycle that we're dealing with here. To, yeah, yeah, not yeah. trying to be Captain Obvious here. <laughs> All right. So he's looking for something for them. They've given them permission to sell the car, by the way. That's yes. huge. Yes, for sure. Yes. Because the, the Corvair was from college. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. memories. And so they've given them permission to sell the car. They want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. Joel and his wife have an 04 BMW Z4 for summer driving. And his folks would like to replace the Corvair with something more, you know, as you said, modern and something like that. Something in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the budget is nine grand. Yeah. The car, he said, doesn't have to be a two-seater, doesn't have to be a convertible. It's nice. So this is just, think, summer toy. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's just cruising. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to extract tenths out of the corners in this car. <laughs> <laughs> but, but on the other end of the spectrum, it's modern enough. That we don't have to worry about it. It's yeah. in the garage. We're going to start it. It's going to come home. It's going to have air conditioning. Things are going to work. It, it's yes. We're not having yes. to worry about, is this okay to take out today? It's just, let's just go do it. Now, Joel's been thinking about BMW E92 convertibles, Mercedes SLK, Z4s. Apparently, mm-hmm. they're not brand loyal, which is fine. His dad's about six feet tall and his mom's five feet tall. So what do we think here? Just the summer toy, just yeah, the cruising. Yeah, yeah. I have my sniper shot. You do. I think I found okay. the car. Good. Good, good. I have I have four I want to walk through real quick. Oh, you do? Great. I am going to say, thinking about a sports car that just runs, that you can get for $9,000. Toyota Camry? No. Sports oh. car. Oh. 370Z. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get them for roughly nine, ten grand. It's the same car as they're selling on the showroom right now for $50,000. They, they, <laughs> look, so awful. Good Nissan. amounts of power, solid engine, God. good sports car look about them. Look at our uh, cheap sports cars episode from, uh, what was that, season four? Okay. Yeah. We drove yeah. uh, a first gen Boxster, a 370Z, and a C4 Corvette, and they were all ten grand or less. Mm-hmm. Okay. The 370 is a compelling buy here. Now, I, I recommend it not the convertible, by the way. The convertibles are even cheaper. But uh, I recommend it not the convertible. That's a, that's a lot of sports car for not a lot of money. But following this through line, I do have to say, a really good option here that I think you guys would love, but i got to explain it, is the first-gen Porsche Boxster. Really? I think they'd love it. But here's the problem. If you buy that car... It's going to be late 90s, early 2000s, first-gen yeah. Boxster to get that nine, ten grand version. That is essentially a 20-year-old car. So, so okay. take, put Porsche okay. to the side for a second. You're buying a 20-year-old car. It's going to need stuff. Yeah. Now yeah. it's going to need Porsche stuff. <laughs> there's a difference okay. in the stuff. It, the, the, it's going to be, there's going to oh, be yeah. a little bit of a premium there. Oh, yeah. So my point is I think you could find one for your budget if there's a little bit of money set aside to, as soon as you buy it, do what, what's the list? What's it need? That might be another, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be honest, it might be another five grand. If you did all of that, though, I think that car is just going to run, start anytime you want it, run, be great fun, everything's going to work for the next five or ten years. But there's a two-step process. You find the one for your budget, and then you need to put money into it. So I think that one might not work, okay. but I at least want to mention it because I know they're down there. It's true. That That's true. That's two others yeah. that I really like. Okay. Pontiac Solstice Saturn Sky. Oh, my gosh. 
Those are those are around. They're cheap now. They're around and they're cheap. And yeah. you're talking GM parts, okay? They they're not that old. They're maybe ten years old at the most. They're gonna run. We had the base one when we first started the show. We shot actually the base one. It was 177 horsepower. Not a powerhouse, but solid dynamically. Great looking. Solid cars, not like nice that. interiors, but great, like great that. looking. Like okay, that. so I think Solstice or Sky, if you can get the the turbo one, bonus, but you don't even need the turbo one in this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Okay, for what they're going to be doing with their driving. Exactly, I think you would thoroughly enjoy that car. And my last one may seem like an obvious one. But my last one is the third gen, the NC Miata oh. MX5 power retractable hardtop, or don't get the power, just get one. Yeah, those they're are down easy, there. Easy they're money. dead easy. They're so easy for this money. I I have tried unsuccessfully on more than one occasion to get my dad to buy one for like six, seven grand. You have? I've tried. And and this, this is Mr. E-Type. I will, but, t- I will tell you the progression of this discussion. Why, why has he not jumped all over this? I will tell you the progression of this discussion. Huh, are they really that cheap? Huh, are they really that good? Huh, I could really get one for that? Would it be reliable? It would be? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. What? This is this is the progression what? of that conversation. I don't I've have given words. Up. I've given up. This is the progression of that conversation. He gets all intrigued, and plus the fact that that oh, he'd love it exactly, he'd and love it, and it would it. run. It would be the opposite of the, he's still burned from the E type experience he had, which was oh. a guy that loved it, couldn't put a lot of money into it, and so it never really ran right. Yeah, but that's Just, not the Miata. That's years ago, though, third gen oh, MX five Miata. I think it does exactly what you want the Corvair to do. It's it's good it's good looking, it's two seat, everything works. It's modern. Get in, drive it, enjoy it, be done. I mean, Joel, at that point, you'd be like Todd's dad, be like, "Honey, what are we out of that I need to go to the store right now to yes. go get?" Oh, yes. we're down to three quarters of a gallon of milk. I better go get milk. <laughs> orange juice? Are we orange? Okay, we're good on that. Lunch meat? What? What else do we need? I, I'm there. What do I we have need? One apple left. I'm going to go get a whole dozen apples. Exactly. I know I eat them like one a week, but I'm going to get them now for the apples. And then you get home like, do we need zucchini? I guess we need. <laughs> You're right. I got to go back. I'm out of here. Bye in now. My, in my lifetime, I will not list my age right now, but in my lifetime, I have never said the sentence "I need zucchini." It has never I just, occurred. Whatever vegetables. I, I, just, I just love that produce. It's great. Yeah. I don't know, Joel. I'm not trying to be a foregone conclusion, but I do have the car okay. that your folks' neighbors will whisper, hey, did you see what they got? Look at what the neighbors got. Oh I my love God, that. They must have money. I love that. And indeed, they're nine grand and under. Okay. Boatloads of them all over Auto Tempest, I'm all over the internet. Boatloads. The fourth generation. Mercedes-Benz SL, the R129, built from 1989 to 2002. The 95s are dirt cheap. I found a 94 SL500, 51,000 miles, hardtop included, clean title for $6,000. Whoa. I found a 95 SL500 Cabriolet for 9,286,000 miles in Miami. You've got to go troll Arizona, Miami. This this is where these cars are located. Yes. They're yes. perfect shape. You, there's probably tire rot from the you know heat or whatever, so you got to you know, change tires. <laughs> but I'm just saying, the SLs, because your your neighbors, your parents' neighbors are going to be like, oh, they got a Mercedes? What? They got a Mercedes. That's funny. That's Look, very they, funny. They, they, got a, they got a Mercedes. Holy cow. And... It's going to do the things that Mercedes SLs do best. That is the the everyday driver style of, I can't believe how little you paid for the perception of that car. 
that's up there. That Big is time. That is the headline. Yep. Yep, yep. That happened to me with a 928. It was an mm-hmm. $80,000 car new. It mm-hmm. still looked like an $80,000 car. It I did, got it for, for 19. Sure. Yep. yep. And the second thing is for what they're using for driving. That is they're cruising. Mm-hmm. The top's down. Yeah. It's going to mostly run. Mercedes parts are like a notch under the Porsche parts. <laughs> but most yeah. of them are very well maintained that I found. They're, you know, the special car of the family. You've mm-hmm. got your myriad of commuter cars and daily cars, and then this is usually the special family car. And so it's very well-maintained, low miles. The highest mileage I found was 113,000, something like that. Okay. That was the okay. highest mileage. Most of them are like 80,000 and under. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're the Cruise, SL. They've got a lot of features. They're, that was the era. They're just built, built like tanks. Yeah, for they're sure. They're going to feel solid. Sure, yeah. They just work. And when they're maintained... They'll run fine. And if you drive it, cars like to not sit. They like to run, especially Porsches. German cars and Mercedes are up there, too. But can you imagine your dad rocking the SL? I see it. Pulling up. I see it. It doesn't look like a $6,000 car. It never will. Not at all. No. It'll still look like thirty grand rolling up to the restaurant. Yeah. It'll still be parked in front. I don't care. And they're all in that (laughs) 90s green. You remember that green color that was like defined with the tan interior and the camel top? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oatmeal top or whatever the color is. That was pretty much like if you didn't check any boxes, that's the color it came in, I think. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh, oh, you want something deviant from that. Oh, (laughs) I'm confused, but... Not the green with the oatmeal. I That's very don't funny. Get it. I like it. So that is my car for your folks. The internet is full of them for sale. I mean, ten That's grand and funny. under, you've got eighty choices to go That's buy. That's very funny. And they're a Mercedes, and the perception, and you'll have paid like I don't know seven grand. Like <laughs> Mercedes SL V eight five five liter V eight. Well done. I like that. I do like Come that. Come on, it's good stuff. That's good stuff. Love it. Joel, please send us the photo of whatever car you folks buy. Yeah, for sure. This is a fascinating story of selling the old uh, the nostalgic car to get something new and modern. Yeah. I hope you wind up with something. It's kind of my dad's issue with E-types is it never ran like I wanted it to, and I want to get him into a Miata. Your it'll just dad run. would cackle if he had he a Miata. He would love it, and my mom wants one too, and oh, my you're dad kidding is me. An, an immovable object on the discussion. What? You'd think... But okay, let's do some. Let's do some questions. Shall all right, we, we got to get off that. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, there's a few questions from the pilgrimage trip on Instagram. My driving passion asked us what was the most surprising, refreshing, and fun thing we discovered on the trip. Hmm. Okay. I have it. Okay. It Good. was the discovery of the wet line on the ring. Yeah. There is genuine grip on the wet line mm-hmm. you don't think is there. Mm-hmm. And the wet line is essentially, imagine the, the true race line, the driving line. Yeah. It's staying off of that, staying high because of all the rubber that's you know slammed into that asphalt right yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. It's really grippy when it's dry, but it turns into glass when it's wet. So everybody's mm-hmm. staying off the mm-hmm. wet line you know, you, where you're taking the apexes of the curbs. You stay high and go almost as fast. The problem is the grip falls away more quickly on the wet line than it does, obviously, in the dry. You, sure. And you're yeah, yeah. also at the outside of the track. Yes. So yes, essentially, you're sure. off the real race line, mm-hmm. which is the wet line. We were taught this, and there is surprising grip. I was passed by an Exige on normal street tires. It was the purple and orange Exige. I remember him. Rooster tails of spray coming out behind him, and yes. he was hot. Yes. Now, he knew the ring. He obviously lived there. Yeah. But he was on the wet line, and he was he was killing it. It was all kinds of grip in the corners, and he left me for dead. I couldn't believe it. It's like, okay, you yeah. live here. Yeah, for and all, sure. But yeah. dang, that was amazing. I, I think it may have been the couple of times on the road tour 
that we and we had a well planned route and it worked out wonderfully. But the the times that we would break out in a city into something that I swear to you, anywhere outside of Europe was literally like the alleyway that you're not yeah. supposed to take. Yeah. And it was the road. Yeah. It was the actual it was if if you actually look up on the map, I need to get from here to here. Exactly. This is the road you take. Yeah. There were a few of those where it was like, well I'm glad I'm not driving anything big down this road because if people parked on both sides, people walking dogs, it's like, okay, this is this is just the road through and here. The tractor pulling hay through the German countryside. There was a there was a, a road actually in Burncastle where we stopped for an mm-hmm. amazing lunch. It was just a really cool town. There was actually a road there that was all this cobblestone road with all the tourists taking pictures. And I saw three cars drive through there as their driveway. And I just thought, how much do you hate tourists? <laughs> exactly. You know? And there it's year-round, well. too. Yeah, for sure. Which is for crazy. Sure. Along these lines, uh, Asian Ed asked on Instagram, there were a lot of makes and models in Europe. We don't get stateside. What ordinary car did you nerd out the most about on the trip? And I'm going to say it. I know it's a foregone conclusion, but I'm going to say, it the three of us <laughs> saw a gray current new fiesta st oh. parked on the street in frankfurt in fact so far it was actually even a hertz rental car uh-huh. and we circled that car like it was a pagani in Ar- the arctic <laughs> it was just we walked around it we put our face to the glass we looked again we talked to each other we pointed out lines in the car we walked around it again and i did have that thought about the second or third time i'd circled the car because yes i did i kept thinking somebody's looking at us going that's a fiesta st exactly. guys get over it Exactly. I just I so want that car here. The interior's improved. It looks better. The I have seats not heard, looked amazing. I have not heard I have not heard genuinely one bad thing from an enthusiast driver about that new version. Yeah. So that was the one for me, hands down. Thomas G twenty two asked a similar question. What was the one car we saw over there? We wish we could get here in North America. Mm-hmm. Of course, wagons. Wagons just work. I know we have a few here in the U.S., but wagons just work all day long. We found out from one of the instructors at the ring. I was standing with uh, John, one of our drivers, Yeah, yeah. talking to Philip, and he's an instructor at uh, Spa, and he drives a Volkswagen Golf R wagon. Yeah, yeah, the and wagon. The wagon version. Yeah. And for tax purposes, he said, when you fold the back seats down and you put the plank of plywood back there, <laughs> it becomes, for all tax purposes, a light truck. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it is taxed differently. And That's why so wagons, wagons explode. Yeah, they're everywhere. I just went, you've got to be kidding Isn't me. So amazing? they drive wagons like crazy. But I will say the one series hatchback that I keep seeing, it's Thank you. five-door, rear-wheel drive, manual. They look great. Mm-hmm. I kept seeing them, and I kept turning my head. I yeah. say this every year. King, King Andrew asked that same question on Instagram. What, what car do you think would succeed here? And I, and I agree. Where is the good-looking wagon rear-wheel drive that's small? It's small. It's and that, that's what that one series that accomplishes. Prior gen one series, yeah, essentially. They're, they're, they're just, just cool. Like, they're just cool. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Driving to Distraction says, what's one thing we'd change for next year's pilgrimage? Oh, okay. We could go with weather, even though getting wet laps on spa, true wet laps on both tracks and trying the, the wet line is astounding for your driving. It's excellent to do. I could say, you know, make it earlier in the year. Different weather, different you know time of year. But it's always a Maybe. dice roll. Yeah. But it was excellent. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with changing up the cars again. Every year we do different cars. Yes. And that yes. is the biggest change. Well, and the road tour is really cool because the road tour is always a bit of a surprise. Because yeah. we know we're going to have a few cars. Because part of what we're doing surprise, is... Surprise! There's a truck pulling hay wagon coming up the road <laughs> well, at there's you. That, that's a whole separate surprise. thing. Surprise! Yeah. But, but no, the thing is that we, we get cars from RSR that we're going to drive from the ring to spa. Yeah. And so since they have place... Uh, 
facilities at both places, then we're actually helping transport some of the cars for the next track day. So it helps in that regard. So we always have some stuff that we know we're going to be driving, but we also have stuff lower and, and above that. Yeah. So this yeah. year we had the new Renault Megane. We had two BMW M240s, which are actually cars we put on track. Right. We had a manual BMW M2 competition pack. Sweet. A Cayman GTS, which also was going on the track with us. And then two, count them, two 911 GT3s, a standard, uh, standard non-RS that had been modified and an RS. Uh, yeah, not to make you all more jealous, but you know, we put the road drivers and in everybody, GT3s. Everybody got to drive all those cars. We contributed to the dispenser problem over there. We did not in- locate the dispenser. We didn't find we where it is. Yeah, haven't located, but it is working properly. Good news. Yeah, so I was thrilled that people got to do that, and actually. Uh, James Crabtree on uh, on Twitter asked if anybody's ever had any accidents or anything on uh, on this trip. Thank God, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, look, stuff happens. I get it, you know. And there's there's ways to defend that. The main way we defend it is uh, instructors on track. Oh but yeah. Nobody's ever had any collisions uh, that's gone with us, which is good. Uh, and I mean, you know, if it happens, it happens. But we're just thrilled that everybody goes and stays within their limits and listens to instructors and has an amazing time. We'd love to have you join us next year, James. You said you're thinking about it. Uh, if you run up extra laps, uh, it's not that expensive, actually. Once you're the, the expenditure is actually getting there and getting your initially loud laps. If you did some more laps, they they come down. I actually calculated it out at one point today because I was looking at kind of our post mortem budget stuff, mm-hmm. and it was running down to like ten euros a lap for the for the Caymans we were in. You're kidding me. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. So they, they once you go, you have a, like a set allotment of a few hundred kilometers. If you go above that, of course, they just amortize it out and they figure out the, you right. know, they just figure out the numbers. Right. Well, Road Cash on Instagram is apparently convinced he's actively planning for Pilgrimage 2020. Says is $7,000 a good number to budget for the trip? <laughs> and does the cost vary depending on the car you choose? Yes, the cost varies. And we choose the Renaults and the M240Is as sort of the, the base model because we don't know everybody's driving skill. True, true, and true. by the way, as you heard on the prior podcast, most of the drivers we had had never been on track before. A track of any kind, mind you. They yes. started at the top. Yes. There's great tracks of the yeah. world, but these are two amongst the, the pinnacles of, of tracks. And you can do that, too. If you've never been on track, you can come to the ring and spa and start there. There's no, you know, prerequisite. Oh, you didn't take, you know, tracking 101 in this class and you've got to go do that. <laughs> we love having it's, beginners on the trip. It's one of absolutely. the coolest things, honestly. And during the track day, it's like-minded people because, of, yeah, as you yeah, said, yeah. we maintain instructors in the car with you showing you when to break and taking the mystery out of, when to turn in you yeah. wait and wait yeah, yeah. it's a late apex and then mm-hmm. you know break hard here then turn in it starts to take the mystery out and you start to do the line better yeah so that alone is a brilliant insurance policy yeah. but i i um i want to say seven thousand budget for eight in case you have extra laps and that does not include your airfare from true, wherever you're true, flying true. From. but so what is an all-inclusive trip as we talked about a lot you know actually while we're here Slight side note, but I should mention it's a little bit of a tease. Mm. We have talked before. People have asked before about other trips. Oh, other yeah. Other big trips. Yeah, cover this. We, yes. are, we are working on, and, and that's literally, we're at ground zero. We're working on a trip in the spring, mid-April, <laughs> Portimao, that's Portugal, uh-huh. and Ascari, that is central Spain. And playing yeah. it up as a little bit more of a touristy trip. So there's, because, look, if you go to the Ring and Spa, guess what there is to do if you don't drive? Nothing. <laughs> 
wait for your there's car to come in so nothing. you can go back out. Okay. Yeah. You go to uh, to Portugal and Central Spain. There's other stuff that you could hang out. You could have a perfectly oh, yes. good time hanging out. Oh, yes. So we're working on it. This is this is not going to be a cheap trip, but we are working on it with our friends at RSR. We're going to have details to follow on that. If you'd rather take more of the touristy uh, Southern Europe. Wow, it's nice here. Trip in mid-April. Yeah, yeah. That sounds quite different, doesn't it? That, that's that's coming as well. Working on it. All right. Uh, got some other questions on here. Changing the subject here to Ryan Wilson's question about Volvo and Geely developing their engines mm. under a new third company. Is this good or bad? Send a Bloomberg article link here. Well, yeah, Volvo and Geely, I, I think it's just a good business decision, to be mm-hmm. honest. And car manufacturers, especially at that scale, are starting to have to really consider what they're going to be doing for their suppliers for the electric car lines and then also for continuing internal combustion engines. So that third company is actually created by them. It's mm. not just, hey, third company. That, that's my understanding of the article, Ryan. And I think it's a good thing because that's just you know good business, essentially, and, and trying to, you know, come to a, a common platform, much like Volkswagen did with the two liter four. Yeah. You know, they've come up with that. It just went in everything. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make for the variety that we enthusiasts want, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And right now Volvo puts that same engine in everything they build right now. It's just how many things are we screwing to the side? Exactly. Turbo, turbo supercharger. Both? Uh, just supercharger? But sure. We, exactly. whatever, hey, a couple of turbos? Let, let's just let's just see. <laughs> exactly. Hang on. I've got a port there. Let me screw this to it. Let's see what it does. Will a fourth turbo fit? Huh, I don't know. Let's see if we can make it fit. <laughs> you, were, you work on the, the engine uh, engine computer later. Right now, I'm just screwing stuff with the block. It's going to be exactly. great. Yeah. Exactly. Emissions? Who cares? No, I, I honestly, I, I do think it's a good thing. I'm, I mean, that's kind of the first instant, instance that we've seen of Geely exerting their influence over Volvo. To this point, they have very much stayed away. They've let Volvo operate independently. But yeah. as car companies, you know, consolidate and they look towards the future for, you know, costs. Absolutely, I can see it coming. So it's uh, it's kind of inevitable, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, we keep talking about all the places that the car companies are trying to consolidate to save money and all the, I mean, there's all the discussion about, you know, Supra is really a BMW. I mean, all these kind of things where people are working together on stuff. Geely, obviously if they're going to make money on these companies that they bought, they're going to have to consolidate various things and, you know, engine makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. What other questions you got on here? Uh, well, I mean, one last question for me and that is Cooper asking about proper seat adjustment. Do we adjust a seat in a car for a track driving experience differently than we do in a road driving experience. Mm-hmm. Cooper, honestly, I do it very similarly. I might be like, think about, think about seats that actually go back in notches. I might be one notch back for road driving versus track driving, but it sure. really depends on the car. Generally, my seating position is my seating position. Unless yeah, I am doing like the long distance drive and I'm going to put on the cruise control, then I'm going to loosen everything up a bit. But otherwise, granted, in my Lotus, I have a seating position. <laughs> on the track, going for groceries, picking up my son. This is the seating position that car allows. It's great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm doing uh, like driving my wife's Cayenne, I have a seating position that I use that is not that I'm tracking that car, but is approximately the distance I would sit if I were tracking it. You can, you can lay your wrist over the top of the steering wheel. Right. That's kind of right. the, the rough adjustment that you do there. I sit at approximately that spot. If we're going to do like a long road trip, then I keep moving the seat a little bit because you do on a long road trip just mm-hmm. to kind of change things up. But generally, it's pretty close. All right, last question from me from Facebook. Michael M. says, what exactly does chassis tuning mean? What are the various things that can be tuned? Well, first of all, you've got to think about the weight and what you want the weight to do. So essentially, it's the big lump that is the engine. Now, if unless you're building the car from the ground up, you're not mm-hmm. controlling where that engine is. 
but you've got to decide what you want the car to do, whether it's drag racing or, you know, time attack or just tracking or whatever that, you know, whatever the thing you want your car to go do. And primarily it's controlling that weight with your suspension components. That is really when you look up mm, any kind okay. of chassis tuning, you're controlling that chassis with turning. I mean, maybe it's, you know, you want that back to come around and you want to, you know, steer the car with a throttle more. You want the car to, you know, all, all kinds of things. It mm -hmm, depends on mm -hmm. what you want to get out of the car. If it's, you know, you're lightening things for track duty or you're in mm -hmm. a specific series or whatever that is, you're tuning the chassis elements through suspension. Really, mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to. I mean, and there's a lot. Not only is it camber, caster, and all those things about the suspension, it's the the spring rate and yes. the shock absorbers yes, themselves absorbs. yep. mm -hmm. and the length of the A-arms. Those can be changed. And, you know, all that geometry is the main thing to control the weight of the car mm -hmm. through corners. If you're drag racing, you're setting the car up completely differently. You're not concerned about corners. Sure. So sure, the sure. weight, you know, of course, is wherever it is in the car. And you're doing drag racing. So that chassis is going to be tuned very differently than you would be. To handle its weight. So that Absolutely. it can actually keep its traction and go straight line. I, I think your point. Yeah, yeah. And the way you do that primarily is through the suspension components. Mm -hmm. But there's so many aspects of that from, you know, you've got it. That, that's why you take it to tuners that will be able to select the right components. And Hopefully, it's not yeah. just the brand names you've heard of. And I want those springs and that, you know, those brakes and, you know, mm -hmm. pick everything mm -hmm. off the shelf. That doesn't mean they're going to be harmonious. Interesting. Because point. then you have to tune it, and that's what, you know, many laps on the track. Well, we've got all the right brand names, but the car isn't doing well. Well, I mean, think about all the folks. Hyundai is a great example. That's why they have their N versions for the Nürburgring versions. Mm -hmm. They now have got a Skunk Works there at the Nürburgring, and they keep taking these cars around. We, we met Matthias, who's actually working as an intern there at Hyundai in yeah. suspension, and that's what they're worried about. They're worrying about how the cars drive on the street. Well, I have to take potholes and compressions and, uh, hey, it's driving in the rain in, in stop and go. But also, how does it handle if you have it at the edge of its limit? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. even though, yes, the Nürburgring editions, ultimately the reason manufacturers use the Nürburgring is not because we have to make it great on this track. Lap times, lap they, times. They, they want to make it yeah. ultimately really good at its, at its edges, and the way that track is helps a car find its edges in lots of different situations. And so how does it handle the crazy bumps? How does it handle these really odd corners? You may not ever encounter that in, when you drive your car in Michigan, mm -hmm. but sure. it's tuned sure. for those things. I mean, you'll encounter potholes in Michigan, but you, you will, know yes. that not, yeah, yeah. notwithstanding. Michael, that's why cars with adjustable, adjustable suspension are so astounding and will continue to be as car manufacturers get better at it. Magnetic ride, whatever that is in, mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. any car, has just taken on, make cars come to life mm -hmm. in various situations. And that's why the the tuning of those suspension components has made those cars you know, great on track over here, but they're still great for the road over here. That's Hopefully. It's really yeah. opened up, yeah. you know, cars that shouldn't be doing things that they can they can do on track is astounding all through just suspension which is amazing keeping those tires planted at various situations so lots to be explored of course everybody <laughs> does it differently and you can you know look up a volume of research on how different manufacturers tune different yes. things but primarily that's how how they do it this is how lotus got hired and made money for years they were just doing suspension tuning for others yeah absolutely guys thanks a million for all your questions really appreciate it 
You are cordially invited on the 2020 pilgrimage trip. <laughs> Which we're already thinking about because we just left and we thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yes, but that doesn't include the April trip that we're looking into and, of course, meetups throughout. And uh, we're definitely looking at, forward to being in Atlanta in October 2019 and October. Cool. A lot of you are, are meeting us there. So we're really thrilled about that. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>